Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We uh, thank you for the study of Colossians, Lord. It's just so good to be uh, gathered as a, as a church family, Father, where we can come and we can laugh and we can worship you. We can fellowship with one another and we can study your word. And so, Father, as we uh, continue to uh, to look through this passage and the, the, the very uh, applicable part of this letter, Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand what's said here uh, with really an area that we spend a lot of our, our days, uh, Lord, in the, in the place of employment or in our homes. Whatever we do for work, uh, we pray, Father, that you would speak to us uh, through this passage. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of the inheritance It is from the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. That's next week. Okay. Uh, Father, we do thank you uh, for your word. This book of Colossians is just a treat. you know, I desire to, to read on to devoting yourselves to prayer. Uh, we thank you, Lord, um, just for the gift of work. We thank you that uh, you have given us uh, the ability to, to serve you uh, in our vocations and whatever it is that we do, whether we're homemakers, um, whether we're students, wherever we are in our place in life, Lord, we thank you for that which you have given us the abilities to do. And so we pray, Father, that you would help us to really evaluate um, our, what, our, what our life is filled with, and that as we fill our days, um, that you would help us to do it for you, that we would see the greater uh, purpose of the calling of our life. And it's in Christ's good name that we pray. Amen. All right. So it's sort of important to, to introduce the, the context. As we go through like very small chunks of, of the Bible, it's easy to lose the context. And when we come to a section like this, it, it would be very easy for us to sort of get things sort of backwards because we've so like narrowed in on, on the text that we've kind of forgotten what has been said already. And so just in this chapter, the very couple of verses here in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we read, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. And then down in verse 10, it says, put on the new self. And so the whole context of this passage is about our relationship that we have with Christ, that as we come to Christ, um, as we've, we trust him by like through faith that we've received this new life in Christ. He's given us new clothes to put on. Um, this whole passage today in the last couple of weeks, it's not about how you get saved. This, this is, we have received salvation through faith and that as we've received Christ as our savior and he's transformed us, 
our lives are to be led in a certain way. And so this is very much in response to what has happened, um, not in order to uh, gain favor with God. So the area that he's hitting on today is, is slavery and masters. And so naturally, when we get into slavery and masters, this is a, this is a topic that I kind of have to introduce a little bit. Um, so the word slavery is mentioned. It can be translated slave, bondservant, bondslave, servant, and it's used throughout the, the New Testament in a variety of different ways. In fact, the word is used 126 times in the New Testament, uh, this idea of servant. I mean, Jesus said um, that, that he was a servant coming throughout followers of Christ are called to be bondservants, that we are to view ourselves as those that uh, give ourselves and, and don't consider our lives our own, that we're servants of Christ. So it's all throughout uh, the New Testament. At the time of, of the writing that Paul wrote this, slavery was super common. It, you can, it depends on who you look at for, for sourcing, but it's somewhere between 40 to 60 million people found themselves as slaves. Uh, to put it in another way that's, I think, more easier to understand, is about half the population were slaves. Um, and, and as Americans, as uh, the last year of stuff that we went through, uh, slavery in the United States and the history of slavery in the United States is very different from slavery of, of the Bible. Um, it, 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 people could become slaves through war. Like I think of Daniel. Daniel the prophet became a, a slave through war. Um, some people became slaves because they were sold into slavery. Think of Joseph and his brothers selling him as a slave. Um, some became slaves because they were abandoned children, like their parents just abandoned them. So somebody took them in and they became a slave. Um, another way that you could become a slave was through criminal actions, which actually makes a lot of sense. Um, our system, in some ways, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Is uh, somebody? I'm trying to like put this in a practical. Well, Escondido is so close. Somebody goes down to Escondido. They break a window. They go into the house. They steal a bunch of stuff. Then they get thrown in jail, and they do punishment to the state the individual who's victimized doesn't get restitution so much. And so in the old days, it's like you did that same thing. You're not going to go to jail. What you're going to do is you're going to become a slave of that person until you pay off your debt. It's kind of like the idea of, you know, back in the days I've heard, I've never done it, but I, uh, I've heard of dining and dashing. And I, <laughs> okay, so where are those people that are laughing? I hear laughing, so I want to hear them. So I've heard that when you dine and dash, if you get busted, that you're supposed to go bust. The, you're supposed to work for the restaurant until you pay off your debt. I don't know if that's actually true or not. But this is sort of the idea. This is one aspect of slavery that you commit a crime, you do something to an individual, and you don't have the means to pay them back what you have done to them, and so you have to become their slave until you work off the debt that is owed them. And, so, and then the final way is that many people became slaves by choice. They, they chose to uh, become a bond servant, to indenture themselves into this, this family. Every, I mean, everything was done by slaves. 
doctors, um, I wrote down some occupations, doctors, uh, teachers, in-home help, like every job that was done, slavery was sort of how it was done. Um, Now, the Bible deals with slavery as a reality. It doesn't seem to endorse it, nor does it seem to encourage like a revolution. It's just it was so widespread that the, the Bible is dealing with the reality that people found themselves. I would say that you could make a case that the, the Bible was opposed to it. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 21 through 24, um, I, I'm not going to read it, but you can go there. And, and in that passage, it talks about like an individual, if you have the opportunity to be free, then to be free. And, and if you're free, don't place yourselves into slavery and give up your freedom. So the Bible speaks about it in a negative sense there. Um, and then within the body of Christ, thinking back to Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, we're told that there's no, within the body of Christ, there's no distinction between slave and master. Like there's no class distinction amongst the church. So you can gather and in, in worship in the, as the body of Christ, and you could have a slave and a master worshiping side by side in the same category. In fact, Colossians is one of these, you know, one of the behind the scenes story. As this letter was delivered, Paul's in prison. He's delivering this letter and it came in a package with another letter. So Colossians came as a letter to the church in Colossae, but there was also a private letter that was Philemon, that was delivered to Philemon by this guy Onesimus. And Onesimus was the guy who was to deliver these letters. And so Onesimus was a slave, and he was returning the letter to his slave, his master, Philemon. And this whole letter is Paul saying, hey, please forgive the guy if he stole anything, if he owes you anything, I'll pay his tab. But Onesimus has become a Christian, and now he's coming back as a your slave, because he's a believer, you're a believer, and you guys need to reconcile this, and I'll pay for any difference. So there's this whole underlying reality of, of slavery. Now, we're going to make a big leap. I'm not going to necessarily go into it, um, but Bible translation goes something along these lines. What does the Bible say? Like, what did it mean in its original context? And then you figure out, like, who was the original author? Who was it to? What was, what was said in that setting? And then as you evaluate the original meaning, the original intent between the original sender and the original re- recipient, then you ask yourself, what are the principles that we can draw from this that we can apply to our own lives? And so t- today, we're going to make this this leap, like I'm fast forwarding through that process. And we're going to say, when we see the word in this context, slave and master, the principle that we're going to go to is our employer and employee relationship. Some employees might say, well, that's not a very hard leap for me to make. Like, you know, like we have terms like you know, for some places, like golden handcuffs means your boss is going to treat you really well, but if you leave, it all goes away. And so you're kind of trapped by, like, the, the benefits. Um, 
And so when we look at the context, last week we looked at the homes, we looked at marriages, we looked at children, we, we looked at this, this environment within the home. Next to the home, the place that you spend the most amount of your time, or the reality is in many contexts that where you spend most of your time is actually your place of employment over the course of your life. And so the Bible is, gonna, is basically saying, okay, we looked at the home life, we're going to look at your work life. Your relationship with Christ matters in your place of employment. Swindoll says this, Thankfully, most societies have officially banned slavery and diligently seek to avoid slave-like conditions. For those of us in modern Western cultures, Paul's words to slaves and masters can best be applied to those in employee-employer relationships. And so with that, we're, we're going to make the jump, the segueing into this passage, verse 22. We read, Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So like the previous weeks, we had the, who's Paul addressing? So we see slaves. The original context, Paul was addressing those who made up half of the population, so half of the church would have been slaves. And so Paul is addressing them. And the first thing he says, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth. In all things, obey. This is going to be one of those things that like, last week we probably got through that okay because most of us are not children in the home. Because it's the same word, children, obey your parents and the Lord. The same, it was not the word that used to describe the relationship between husband and wife. But it, what, it is the word, obey your parents and the Lord. And so now we read, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth. So if we're going to make the, the leap to present day, it's saying, if you're a follower of Christ, and you find yourself in the role of employee, in all things, obey your employer on earth. If it's not uncomfortable for you at this point, I'll make sure I get there. Because <laughs> unfortunately, there's a lot of like really pressing questions that people have that I would rather not talk about if I could get around it. Um, it's like, oh, I forgot to start the clock. I was like, oh, I got we had a time yet? Okay, so I think that the heart of this, like when I read the New Testament, which I'm so happy for those of us that are going through the Bible, I'm so glad that we're like in the New Testament. Like Roger on Saturday morning was like, man, it's like I wanted to do like cartwheels. I'm like, I was the same way. It was like the music and the, everything came on and it's, it's been a lot of fun now. Uh, um, but when I read through the New Testament, when I see the commands that are given to, to Christians, the heart of the Christian is to be that of like a slave, to be that of a servant. Um, and, I, and I heard, I don't know who said it, but somebody said it. It might have been somebody at our church. It might have been somebody I heard somewhere. But they're like, the, the good test to see how you're doing with your relationship with Christ is how do you respond when somebody actually treats you like a slave? Like, do you get puffed up and say, you can't treat me like that? Or do you say, you know, praise be to God. I'm going to, like, however you respond in a gracious, kind way. Like, it's a, it's a challenge. Like, 
like throughout this, husbands and wives both are to be to submit themselves to one another out of the fear of Christ. And so here, the the heart of of the believer is to be that of obedience. It's to be that of like submission. It's to be that of one who doesn't seek to like rock the boat or to create drama in the environment that they find themselves. I I I think that as we get into like difficult areas from my military background, like I understand this to be an obedience uh, to lawful orders. Um, this is not a blind obedience that follows anything that's illegal or immoral that would violate God's laws. Like in the New Testament, especially in Acts, we see situations where individuals were, were pressed to go against God and they, they violated the authority that was over them in, in order to remain faithful to God. Now, in almost every case, even historically, when we see individuals making a stand for God in this way, in the earthly realm, it often goes poorly for them. Like, like you might get burned at the stake historically. Like, we, we have the word of God because individuals refused to bow to the authorities above them because they believed that God wanted to get the word to individuals. And so they put their lives at risk, and they wouldn't back down, and they wouldn't bow. And ultimately, they were killed. But here we are today with the word of God in our hand, which is amazing. I mean, it should give you goosebumps like that, that we have access to God's word in this way. When I think about the Holocaust, many individuals that sacrificed their life, not, not willing to bow to the government that was over them because they believed that God created these individuals in his image and that they made a stand. Uh, this Thursday night, Alternatives had a big event about, uh, about what Alternatives stands for. And, and the, the speaker is from Texas. Texas just had a huge, like, the heartbeat law that passed. In the pro-life circles, there's, there's a lot of positive response to that. But for those of us that are in the pro-life cause within California, we are in an environment where that victory over there created like a huge backlash over here to where we have a governor that's like coming after clinics like alternatives. Okay, where are we at here, my notes? I find it interesting that in this this passage in this context, there's, there, there's no push for like insurrection. There's no push for like pushing against the system and, you know, giving the finger to the system and saying, you can't make me do that because I'm an American. Like there, there isn't this in the text. And so then when we come to this passage, namely, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth. Like what, what, what subject might I be talking about here soon that I don't want to talk about. I'll get a lot of you guys think about this one. Have you guys heard about COVID? <laughs> Anybody not heard about COVID? I wish I could raise my hand. Like I, um, so like now the hot topic. You know, recently the discussion amongst pastors, amongst churches about like, and, and people within the body of Christ, now we're finding, um, you know, places of employment that are saying, like, if you want to remain employed here, 
you must get the vaccine. Um, this is where it's like really dangerous because in my notes, all I have is open up about this. Like, I wish I had more details. Like, this is like more shooting from the hip. So when I look at the principle from this, like, um, like this isn't an isolated passage. Throughout the New Testament, what, what I see is, for those of you who consider yourself followers of Christ, that he's your Lord, in most things obey those who are over you. In some things, it says like in all things, like in, in all things, um, where this becomes like I think exceptionally difficult for us is we find ourselves as like Americans. So we're Christians that find ourselves in a government that is very different and distinct from all of the other governments of human history. And so it like become, I think it becomes like way harder for us than individuals who are in different countries. Like present day, like, like present day, there, there are very few, if any, other countries that have the history of like freedom and independence that Americans have. Like from a Christian, like we always talk about a Christian nation. Like this is like shooting the hip. This is where I can get in a lot of trouble. Like, I, like I'm going to offend myself. Like I, like I served as a Navy SEAL for 12 years. Like I'm, I'm, I, some would say that I, I was patriotic or am patriotic. Like I am patriotic. But when you go back in human history and you look at like the, oh, we're a Christian nation, can you really support the American Revolution from a biblical perspective? I'm not going to answer that question because I don't know that I want like, that's a really hard question to, to answer honestly and from the Bible. I don't know that we can answer that with a, yeah, it was a biblical thing to do to, to, to promote the revolution. And I'm saying this is a total, like, I'm a patriot. Like, I love my country. I, like, served. I've lost a lot of buddies. I get, I, like, stand for the national anthem. I cry at the national anthem. So we have this nation that was formed based on freedom. And there, there are certain principles and, and, and rights that we were given as Americans based on the foundation of our country for, for right or wrong of the founding biblically of how our country was formed. Like here we are over 200 years later, we can't really, we had nothing to do with what happened then. But, but we live in this nation with certain freedoms. We live under a government that's supposed to be of the people, by the people, for the people, that, that every citizen has a right to like vote and make a voice and, and to affect change. And if you're opposed to something, there's, the legal system so you can like, you know, sue everybody and everything. And like, then we have insurance companies so you can get a payout. And like, there's this whole system that, that's created so that we have a voice, which really like makes this sort of thing difficult because like, I don't even know what the percentage is, but the vast amount of humanity for for all of humanity, they don't live under this system. So the, the idea of bucking for your own rights and your own freedoms, it doesn't exist. Like present day, you go to Spain, it just doesn't exist. Like that's, that's not even a, a thought. I bring up Spain because that's where like 
Anna grew up, and we have lots of friends over there, and watching how they're handling stuff over there, watching Ben in Japan, like very different, like a Christian perspective of how they are handling things over there. And, and so it's, we at least have to come to this text, not all of the text, and recognize that when we come to the text as American citizens, as American citizens who are Christians, we bring a whole lot of baggage into the text. And we run a very, we play a really dangerous game as American Christians reading the Constitution, reading American rights and privileges into the text that simply aren't there. Okay, I've stepped on everybody's toes. I can tell because I didn't have applause. I didn't have like, amen, preach it, brother. Like I didn't get a, nobody, like, this is the reality. And so then within the Christian context of even the United States, I have pastor friends all over the United States. I, I have a, a, a pastor friend, and his stance is he would prefer not to get the vaccine. He lives and worships and ministers in a context where the Christians are more on the, on the other side of the aisle than he is when it comes to politics. And so he's reaching out to me. He's like, man, are you getting this all over the place? Cause I like, I like, um, you know, I, all my friends are saying, if I love people, why am I not getting the vaccine? And I'm like, well, I'm in the context where everybody's saying, if you get the vaccine, you're like the antichrist. And so like I, like, so you have, like, within the Christian circles, you have these, t- you, these two polarizing views. And I think, quite frankly, I think both are wrong. <laughs> I want to go high-five Daniel over there, you know. It's like any, like, the Bible says nothing about the vaccine. It, do- it, do- it doesn't. Man, I wish I had notes because I say, oh, my notes say we got to move on, but I'm, like, still open up. But, like, the Bible doesn't speak about the vaccine. And and so if you're on one side or the other saying that unless you do or you don't, you're violating God, it's like that's a very dangerous game to to play. And, And then one side would say, oh, you're only getting the vaccine because you don't have faith and you don't trust God. Then I have other friends on the other side said, Dude, I got the vaccine. I trust God's going to take care of me, even if it doesn't go okay. <laughs> oh, touche. Like, and it's like, so now they're arguing who's got more. Like, the reality is, is one side, like, if you get the vaccine, it takes faith. Dude, I was in the military. I stumbled across my vaccine record. I got everything from here to, like, Japan of vaccines. Like, I, like. And so this is where, like, the matter of conscience comes into play. And as American Christians, we do live in a context where the system above us traditionally has allowed for the conscience, the conscience. Like, on everything, from, like, from from war to going or not going, there's been room for conscientious objectors. 
vaccines, like you name it, there's, all, there's always been sort of traditionally based on our laws room for exemptions based on the conscience. And so when we come to this passage that says slaves or employees in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, the default is that you want to obey, that you want to be a servant because we'll get into the because in a few minutes. But if for whatever reason your conscience truly like is violated not from the bible like your your baseline of objection is no longer from the bible just i want to be clear now we're moving into like you're an american citizen with rights and we see paul using right his his roman rights as a citizen all through the new testament and so now we're departing your conscience about the vaccine it's not like it's not in the bible like thou shall not take the vaccine is not in the bible or thou shall take the vaccine it's not in the bible and so we're moving now as americans to this context of as an american i believe that i have been given freedom based on the constitution based on law based on like all sorts of things and i believe that that the, if they're going to force me to get a vaccine, it's violating these things. And so I'm going to object based on this. Okay, that's like you're submitting to the authorities, you're, you're, you're trying to be at peace, like you're trying to, but, but for your brother and sister in Christ who's there, it's like, I'm just going to get the stinking vaccine because like, I like, want to submit to the government. Like, gov- like I don't want to rock the boat and I really want to honor Christ and so I'm just going to do it because I don't think it's that big of a deal. Okay. Now, if you're over in this camp, then what happens? You don't come to a pastor because it's not me to tell you what your conscience is. Can we get that straight? Like, like people come, like, say, hey, can you sign a letter about my conscience? How can I sign a letter about your conscience? Like, I can tell you what my conscience is, but I can't tell you what your conscience is. I can, I can help you navigate the scriptures, and you can reach a conclusion on your own. And like I support your conscience, but over in this camp where you're lying on your freedom is like you're going to submit a letter, you're going to do whatever, saying like I'm not getting this vaccine because my conscience won't allow me to do so. Not because my pastor told me I couldn't do it, not because the church has like, but I believe in everybody's individual conscience. Like on every single like subject, if you've known me, you've been here for a long time, I don't tell you what your conscience is supposed to be. Not with alcohol, I just say drunkenness. Drunkenness is a problem. I, that's my line in the sand because I can point to a verse in the Bible. Whether you want to have a glass of wine or not with dinner or with breakfast or whenever you choose to have, like, it's because I say, you all laugh over breakfast because that doesn't seem right to you. The Bible doesn't say you can't have a glass of wine with your breakfast. Like, why is it okay to have a glass of wine with dinner, but not to say it's okay to have a glass of wine with breakfast? Unless you're retired. Or it's a really stressful day at work, you know? It's like the... So so you have conscience. And historically what happens in our thing is like, okay, you're going to make a stand. The the reality is you're probably going to lose your job because they've said... You can stay here and be employed to get the vaccine or not. And you say, well, I have a matter of conscience about this. Historically, that's HIPAA. You don't have a right to know what I've done with my butt. Like, all of these things that our government has put into place. 
And then what will happen is then the ambulance attorney will follow up with you and say, I think we got a case here. I'm trying to, you'll see commercials on TV. Were you forced to get the vaccine when you didn't want it? Or did you lose your job because you did that? Call 1-800-such-and-such-attorney, and and I'm making a class-action lawsuit. And then they'll take that class-action lawsuit, they'll bring it up all the way through the court system, and then the Supreme Court will rule or not rule on it. And likely, you know, I'm not even going to say likely. I'm not a prophet. Is a decision will be struck. And if they say, you know what, this absolutely violates your constitutional rights, they, they were in the wrong for firing you for that. You can get your job back. I, I, like, I'm not, this is not where I'm like, I'm not an attorney, and then I'm not even an attorney in that specific realm of the law. But even if that takes like five years, then you're still going to be without a job for five years. Like, there's a lot of people who stood, and they were right, but they paid a cop, they paid a price. Okay, see, I wish I wrote notes here. But I think I'm sure I'm running out of time. Um, <laughs> so I think, I, like, I, I just think that we need to be careful. Because I think that when we push really hard on the conscience issue, I think when you, like, it's a dangerous game. Like, first, as you tighten down the screw and figure out what does the Bible say, like, black and, like, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth. We go to Timothy, and it says, like, be submission in submission to the authorities over you. And as Americans, we always say, well, but, but, like, what about this? And I think about Jesus on the road when he's like, well, who's my neighbor? The attorney that was trying to justify himself. But who, who is my neighbor? And then he tells the Good Samaritan story, which really upset everybody. And then Jesus says, well, who was who this guy's neighbor? He's like, fine, I'm going to out of here. Like, I don't want to turn a life that bad. Like, I don't, like... Like, we need to, like, when we come to this text, when we come to the matters of conscience, like, the, the, the Bible really makes Americans feel uncom- uncomfortable. Because the Bible makes it clear, slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And, and the reality is, nobody's forcing you to have your job. Nobody's forcing you to have your job. You can work for whatever company or not work for whatever company. And they're saying if you want to work here, you have to have this. And so then you have a choice. And so like, like it's difficult. So if you truly have conscience, like, I, like what I always say outside of this is like don't violate your conscience. Like if you're, like it's, it's like I want you to honor your conscience. So if this is a matter of, like obviously the issue of getting the vaccine is a matter of like deep conscience. Because if you've had it, then there's not really like, it's not like there's a, a real, like you're not at a crossroads trying to figure things out. The very last phrase, in all things obey the Lord. Then I, I read the very first phrase here. In all things obey those who are your masters on earth. And the reason, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. That's our motivation. So if you're going to like buck back against your employer over a point, like, like I'm saying this, not like it's an easy thing for me to say. Don't do it because you're an American. Do it because you genuinely have conviction from God and you're sincere. 
Like, I think there's a lot of times I just don't want to do something. I say, I don't want to do it. It has nothing to do with me being American. It's just like I'm a stubborn old, like, I'm not even old. I'm just stubborn. Like, I could just stop at the first word. I'm looking forward to being an old goat. So I can say, I'm just a stubborn old, you know, like. But it's like, let your decision, if you make your decision, whatever your decision is, do it with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. The Bible makes it clear that the children of God should not be known as rebellious people. Verse 23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Whatever you do. So like whatever you do, this, this encapsulates everybody from like, Two years old to where you start to have like a, well, you had a will a lot, or like, I'm not sure where the lower one is, but but to death. Like, whatever you do, do what you do well with all your heart for the Lord rather than for men. You might work for a big company, but whatever you do, you're doing it for the Lord, not for that company. As you're doing it for the Lord, not for men. He says on your from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. And so he's like, you might even have a crummy employer that's not paying you anything because you're a slave and you work because you get fed. And he's telling that slave, like, even if these are your conditions and they can't change, don't worry about that. You do your work as if you're doing it for the Lord because the Lord is going to give you something far greater, not in this life, but in the one to come. It is the Lord whom you serve. And so the, the perspective of the child of God is completely different than that of the, the world. Like, like I told you that this week was a hard week. At one of the, you know, gunner moping around, I had to bury my buddy, and then it like came out why he died. And let's just say it wasn't natural causes. Um. And I was like, so mad. Like, I was just mad at him. And then I'm like driving to the funeral, like moping. And Anna was like my swim buddy. And I'm like, I'm sick of like being out there. Like, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to answer my phone anymore. I don't want to like get another call that another SEAL buddy died for doing something stupid. Like, I, like I'm just listening to all the reasons I don't want to go do this. And she's going, I'm sorry you're having a hard time. And I'm like, I know I can't say that because I, like, I love Jesus and I want to do what Jesus wants and I just don't want, like I, like I don't. And so I think that there's times when we just are like a little beat up. It's like, no, like I'm doing this. Like my attitude is that God has placed me where I am. He's placed you where you are. And that we need to wake up, go through our business, whether, whether you're a homemaker, a student, an employee, a boss, which is coming, you're retired, like whatever you spend your day doing, we say, Lord, I want to bring you glory and honor you with whatever comes my way today. And so our perspective is totally different. Then in verse 25, he says, whoever does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. And so this verse is pretty clear. It serves in two different ways. First, it can help you walk a straight path. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And so as you're going through your days and temptations come your way and you recognize, you know what? The end of my life, I'm going to give an account to God for the things and the decisions I do. And so I'm not going to do this as tempting as that is because I'm going to give an account to God and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pay the man. And so the fear of the Lord, it's okay. Like that's a good thing to govern you. Second, this verse also gives encouragement to those who suffer at the hands of evildoers, that you can go through your life with a bad boss, a bad whatever, you fill in the blank, and you can say, there's nothing I can do to get myself out of this situation, but I know at the end of his life or her life, they are going to receive the consequences of the wrong that they have inflicted on me, and I don't have to get my own revenge. I don't have to pay them back. I don't have to buck the system. I don't have to do this because God is going to take care of it. And it's a pretty good connector between the last verse, which is super short and super to the point. Some have suggested that bosses don't have the same sort of struggles as those that are being employed. And so to masters, he keeps it pretty short and sweet. To the employers, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So he starts with this orientation that, yeah, you're a boss, you might have people under you, you might have a lot of freedom in the role that you have, you might be self-employed, you might be like whatever it is. You need to go through your days understanding that you do have a boss and you're going to give an account to him at the end of your days. And so your employees, whether they're believers or unbelievers, they are people who have been created by God. They are people for whom Christ died and so how you interact with them is important. And he says, treat them with justice and fairness. This is respect. This is the do unto others rule that Jesus proclaimed in the Sermon of the Mount. It's super easy to understand. It can be a little bit more difficult to apply. So what do we do with all of this? Like I, I like... I'm super thankful that in our context, like in Valley Center, it's, it's not an environment where you really have to come down on people for not having a work ethic. Like, like we live in an environment, in Valley Center in particular, where people have like a strong work ethic, like super, like super strong work ethic. Like I see Roger there. And Melanie's like, oh, yeah, Roger's fixing the leak. I'm like, oh, did Brian find? He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, did Brian? Brian was looking. He couldn't find. Like, did he call you and help you? And he's like, no, man, I was just driving by the church, and I saw water bubbling up at the meter. And it's like, well, he left with, like, just. So he sees it, and he fixes it. Not looking for any credit. He's probably going to get mad at me for even mentioning this. But it's like, when I first met Roger, he was doing the same thing. Like, I moved into our house, and there's, like, a water leak. And I'm like, oh, you got a water leak? He's like, no, the neighbor has a water leak. But I saw it, so I'm just going to fix it. That's what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, man, Valley Center's awesome. <laughs> and when we left, I'm like, Roger, just keep your eyes on the road. Don't look. Like, just, like, get home. Like, don't look for stuff. And I, and I do think that probably in our context, we need to be reminded that, like, for, for those of us, like, with, like, the hard, strong work ethic, like, we need to be reminded that, that trusting God also means taking a Sabbath, like, that you can take a day or two off every week and just like God will provide for you. God will like, there's a, there's a place to rest. And I also want to keep in check that when we, when we look at this passage, the, 
the instruction here isn't to have a work ethic for the sake of having a work ethic. The, the purpose here is that we live for a higher purpose. And if you have received Christ as your Savior, then you carry his name as Christian, a little Christ. And, and we actually become his ambassadors. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg of you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So he tells them, if you go to work and your employer is asking you to do stuff, you work not because just for the work, but because you carry the name Christian and that you want to honor Christ, and so you're going to work to your very best with the greatest integrity because you recognize that whatever you do, you reflect on your Savior. And that how you live your life is a testimony to Christ and is a way to evangelize the world. Like, like ultimately, it's our calling, it's our mission. Christians should be the most sought-after employees by the world. We should have a reputation of not cutting corners, staying until the job is done, doing it right with the best of our ability, asking for help when we don't know what we're doing. Like, there's so many lessons from this simply because we carry his name. Let's pray. Father, we come to this passage, and it's, uh, I acknowledge it's a difficult text. L- Lord, we find ourselves in the context of the United States with many privileges that citizens have rights and can vote and can voice our opinions and can steer culture as best as we can. Uh, th- that's, that's part of submitting to our authority. We're ingrained with this sort of freedom, this sort of liberty. And I know that for me, in becoming a Christian as an active duty service member, that that really grappling through these issues of my American pride and my Christian submission, it's, it's a difficult line to walk. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to not infringe upon your word, that we would allow your word to speak to us, that we would be faithful in applying what it says and what it doesn't say. And when I look at this passage over the last couple of weeks, we see that you desire us to, to walk humbly, to uh, walk in submission and in obedience. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to find that balance as Americans with our rights and our privileges, that uh, it's part of our submitting to our authority, uh, that we can push back. We pray that you would help us to do this in a way that is honoring to you and is pleasing to you. Uh, Father, we, um, we ask that you would help us. It's such a responsibility to be your ambassador here on earth. We ask that you would help us to to really see that as a main priority of our life. As we go from here, Lord, help us to live this out in a way that's pleasing to you. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen.